This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. The news here on the Accounting Influencers Podcast, and not just the news, but insights on the news. We appreciate for accounting practitioners all over the world. There's so much to take in. There's a real sense of anxiety and overwhelm and so much to do and so little time to do it in. And so I'm drawing to your attention a really thoughtful piece by a gentleman called Barry Ross. This was in Accounting Web. We'll put the link in the show notes. And the title of this piece is Flexible Work Patterns look set to be the new normal. Now, I like this piece because it has a bit more of the intricacies. He may even have a legal background. I don't know, Barry. This was written a few weeks ago. Uh, Let me share some of the things that he's saying on here and tell you what it means for you. So he starts by saying, as COVID restrictions end, firms are looking to return to normal working life, whatever normal looks like. And the growth of hybrid remote working means everybody's got to figure out just what normal means right now. What is clear is that we are not going back to what we had before. So uh, Barry talks about the government rolling out its living with COVID-19 policies. This is in the UK, maybe different in other parts of the world. Martin and I recently attended Accountex, which is the biggest accounting fintech event in Europe. And the doors were very much open. Masks were very much at a minimum, and it was almost business as usual. Let's just get on with things. COVID, not that it's gone, but there were there wasn't as much hand sanitizer as I would have liked. People were just shaking hands and almost acting like it had never happened. So we are very much in this back to normal stage, whatever that looks like, in the post-pandemic rollout back to whatever full-time working was. So we've got this kind of normality return to working life, and Barry says, what is deemed to be normal now is changing dramatically. There's no best practice now. He says large businesses, including Deloitte PwC, moving towards a hybrid workplace. And this move has allowed many accounting firms, these are the upsides, to recruit staff from more distant locations. This increases their talent pool and allows them to deal with a great resignation as employees review their work-life choices as a result of the pandemic. Nobody wants to be chained to an office desk anymore. Nobody wants long commutes anymore. People are looking at different options. And uh, the hybrid workplace seems to be the favored way of going rather than fully remote and rather than fully everyone in the office. Now we appreciate you've got to be in the office is that exchange of ideas, that innovation, that camaraderie, culture driving when employees meet face-to-face as well as the training development, bringing those new junior staff into your firm, developing your people. However, Barry points out issues can arise in how hybrid working arrangements operate. And if you've worked from home for the last two years, then you're used to that convenience, aren't you? Uh, And staff have been recruited in different countries now. and They don't want to return to any kind of office and they might be nervous about the end of COVID restrictions, high infection rates. You've got to be really mindful of that as an employee. Barry says the starting place is the contract sets out terms and conditions, including place of work. And unless there's a specific agreement by both parties, this cannot be varied. So it's contractual. And if you have always worked from home, if you were hired during the pandemic, then you're not really going to want to shift from that unless you want to get into the office for one or two days a week. Equally, if you were employed and working from the office before COVID, then it's reasonable for your firm to expect you to go back to that again unless other arrangements can be made. So question Barry asks is, can employees demand flexible working? Pretty much yes. The details are in the article, but flexible working is around the place of work, the hours of work, and employers can only refuse this with specific reasons, like affecting quality and performance of work, not meeting client demand. We know the benefits of working from home. They're widely acknowledged. It's not too difficult to justify. However, you've also got to see the upside of bringing your people into work. Barry asked the interesting question, how far can employees live from the office? And he answers in theory, an employee is able to work from anywhere provided they adhere to the terms of their contract. So they could work in a different country. However, in the hybrid workplace, they may want you to attend the office as required, say for monthly, weekly staff meetings. So ultimately, this has got to be carefully managed, hasn't it, with people from different regions, different parts of the country, different countries, in fact. And it all depends on how people want to be paid, remunerated, So many things to think about. Health and safety issues arise from working in the office and remote working, even 
cross-border issues, visa issues, work permit issues. It's a different world, isn't it? Specific days in the office, yeah, that seems to be the case now, doesn't it? A four and one, a three and two, a two and a half, two and a half. What is best? Provided you're getting the work done, the consensus seems to be if you're hitting your targets and all requirements have been met, then you can work from anywhere. Let's be flexible. But there is a need for your brains, your smarts in the office, sharing that with other people. So many things to consider. It's a minefield, isn't it? What is clear, and Barry finalizes this, his conclusion is that the sensible approach for any accounting firm is going to be a compromise that meets the needs of the firm as well as the needs of the employees. And this is true, and we've spoken about this in Employer Brand over the last few weeks in our Here's What Works show that comes out on a Thursday. If you want to retain talent and attract new talent and not lose staff, you've got to be willing to offer hybrid working. If you say it's our way or no way, people won't join you. People won't stay with you. So last few words, at the end of COVID restrictions, Barry says it's becoming crucial for firms to have clear policies around hybrid working, as well as meeting their expectations, employment law obligations in terms of health, safety, or well-being to support, to support any return to office. Good luck. It's, <laughs> it's tough being an employer out there. But it is exciting as well being an employer out there to create a new landscape for a new generation of people coming into the profession, making your firm attractive, and also changing the game for those existing employees that have been with you for some time that are coming to that fork in the road and making decisions about what their life looks like, what their workplace looks like, what their regime looks like. You have an opportunity to provide something special for them and engage in a psychological and legal contract with them of employment that makes your firm stand out, speaks to employee brand, speaks to your culture, speaks to the way you're developing a story that really attracts the right people. So take a read of the article if you want to. Do something, because doing nothing defaults to a garden that if you don't keep on top of it, just grows weeds by default. We don't want that. You have a chance to do something special in your firm, and hopefully, you'll take a look at the article and see that flexible work patterns are set to be the new normal. Improve your practice while decreasing how hard you work to make your firm really fly. Really fly. The Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. And we have a special guest today. Herschel Frierson is in the USA. Uh, Herschel, good day to you. Good day. How are you? We're fantastic. It is so good to have you with us. And uh, you're a big personality in the accounting world. Tell us a little bit about what you do and your journey to here. Yeah, no, I first and foremost, I appreciate the, the opportunity to speak to you. It's always great to talk about not only my journey in the accounting profession, but more importantly, just you know, my pers- my passion around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, I felt, you know, I, I would say a little bit about myself is um, fell in love with the accounting profession um, when I was in high school. I took I took accounting classes uh, in, in high school uh, and followed that passion into college. I went to Butler University here in, in Indianapolis, Indiana, here in the States. Uh, and then uh, I joined Crow LLP. I, I call myself a little bit of a unicorn in a profession is because I actually been with Crow ever since I graduated from college. Um, so it's been about probably a little over 26 years now. I've been with the same firm, been in the accounting profession and had opportunities to serve, you know, different roles uh, within Crow right now. I lead our office of strategic networks and, you know, really excited about the opportunity the firm has given me. Uh, and at the same time, as I started at the firm, I, I, and I knew it going into a profession. I quickly realized there was not a lot of people that look like me uh, in the profession. Uh, one thing, you know, my parents always told me, you know, and taught me is always, you know, give as much back to your community as you as you've gotten. And, you know, when I started off uh, at Crow, I um, needed needed a support system. So um, I was introduced to the National Association of Black Accountants, and it was a great foundation for me, supported me, helped me build my skill sets. Uh, and as I grew within the firm and developed my skill sets and leadership within the firm, I also, as well as learned um, more about NABA, I became a leader within NABA in various stages. I was Indianapolis chapter president. I became a regional officer. And then I sat around uh, the national board. And then 26 years later, <laughs> you know, here I am, the chairman of the board of the National Association of Black Accountants and uh, do whatever I can to support the profession that I love, uh, support our members, uh, helping them be successful, uh, supporting the communities we work and serve in, uh, and just 
um, you know, highlighting the great opportunities in the county, but more specifically supporting, you know, people that look like me uh, and bringing diversity uh, to the profession. That's so great. What a wonderful story. And how would you sum up what kind of shape the accounting profession is in right now, not just in the USA, but globally, Herschel, from what you're seeing? Yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, globally, so I'll say two things. One, I say that there is great opportunity globally. You know, many of our clients across the world uh, are needing, you know, people in the accounting profession to help them be successful is, you know, who knew, right? You know, Rob, 10, 15 years ago, we talked about ESG, you know, like, what is ESG? Is this something in the alphabet, <laughs> right? And and now it's a whole new opportunity for us in the accounting profession to support, uh, you know, the communities, our clients. It, it's just a great opportunity. You know, you talk about ESG, but then I think at the same time, um, I think there's a lot of opportunities for growth uh, to get more young people in the accounting profession. Uh, I think this is a, a great time to really be more active across the globe in introducing young people uh, to directions you can go. Uh, I always say that, you know, we need to bring uh, sexy back uh, to accounting, put it as the premier place for you know, young people to focus on when they go to college and come out of college. So uh, I think there's a lot of room to grow. Uh, for young people, uh, and then even more so for, for young people that look like me, um, bringing more diversity to the profession. So uh, there's always work to be done. You speak very proudly about the profession. We can see the passion in you. But let's be honest here. Things are not all right. What has accounting got wrong over the years? How have we got to here? Yeah, I, I think, you know, what we have, those opportunity areas for growth, I, I think um, at least over the years, we have not been as intentional about uh, about diversity in the profession. Uh, and I think that's, you know, what we're focusing on now is being very intentional about um, bringing uh, DNI to the profession and supporting, you know, people that look like me in the profession. And I want to say supporting, I think there's several things. One is recruiting, right? Getting more young people in the profession, but also, you know, retaining, right? It's, it's, it's one thing to recruit young people into the profession, young, diverse people, um, African-Americans, uh, in the profession, but, you know, there's two different phases to it, right? You have to retain, you know, people, um, retain diverse talent, right? Uh, it doesn't do us any good if you recruit, but then you don't keep them, right? And then the third piece that we don't talk about, uh, and, and we need to do a better job as a profession, is what I would call advancing or promoting uh, individuals, right? Is we need more, we, we need more partners uh, that look like me uh, across the firms, we need, no, we need more people that look like me that's CFOs uh, uh, across the world. You know, so we have got to, as a profession, be more intentional in focusing on diversity, but, but being more intentional about, you know, when we talk about diversity, helping firms and companies keep their people, keep their diverse talent. But, you know, I go back to, we also have got to help them advance, right? Help people like that look like me advance. So they can get to the table. They can make the decisions, right? It's all about getting a seat at the table, right? Let me ask an ignorant question, Herschel. And we'll get you on in another episode to talk about how firms do this, how they recruit, how they retain, how they advance and promote. I love that. But the ignorant question is, why is this a problem? What's the big deal? Accounting has been as it is for hundreds of years. Yes, you could argue that there's, it, it's white dominated, the stale male and pale label of accounting. But why is diversity such a big deal? Well, it, it, it's always been a big deal, right? It's it's always, you know, depending on who you ask, right? And But we're talking about it now. Yeah, right. And, and I think, you know, over the past recent years, unfortunately, there's been a lot of, uh, in our world globally with the George Floyd, the Breonna Taylors, Ahmaud Aubrey's, there's been a, an acknowledgement of, of social injustice uh, across the world uh, of people that look like me. And, you know, in the accounting profession, I, I think that the profession has, you know, said we also need to do a better job. You know, if we, we see what is going on, we need to acknowledge that we not, we're not where we need to be, right? And there has been an acknowledgement within a profession that looking at the data, asking a very question like, why hasn't our profession changed? And you see that less and less people, young people are going into uh, the profession. You know, you point back to, well, because we have not been intentional on opening our arms up for everyone. There's no role models for them really to look at, to say, I want to be like that. 
Right. Yeah. You know, I, I always say when I when I talk to to different companies and individuals, it is if you see it, you can be it. Right. And, and I'm a big a big proponent of that. Is that you know, as I said, you need, you need more people in leadership positions. You need more partners in firms because you know young people can point to say, mm, Herschel got to that level in this particular profession. Uh, I can get to that level as well. You know, having those role models in front. Uh, gets the excitement of, you know, young people that look like me to stay in a profession, to work hard, to get to that level because they see other people that look like them in that position. Is racism a problem in accounting, Herschel? I don't put it on a profession, uh, but it is just a, a problem in the world. We all play a part in educating uh, our peers, educating our communities. You know, we talk about the equity piece of diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? It, want the equity piece and you want the inclusion, right? You, you want everyone to feel included, you know? So, uh, you know, I definitely, I focus on the understanding that racism is a problem in the world that, you know, we all play a part in. And in my position, I'm going to continue to fight for everyone to make sure everyone you know, feels included. That's a really good point. Race is just one side of this, isn't it? We can look at gender, we can look at orientation, we can look at background and social class. Do you talk to your peers in other organizations like NABA to talk about marginalization and minorities and how that's playing out in a campaign? Yeah, I mean, I think we, I mean, I think we, we continue to, to talk about uh, opportunities and ways and initiatives to, you know, make sure everyone feels included, right? The inclusion piece of it, right? I think that's, you know, part of my role is to, to help individuals, help companies, uh, help firms, you know, put in initiatives, programs, be a support system so that everyone feels included uh, to be the best that they can be within their organization and the organization can be the best of themselves. Um, you, we're constantly, uh, you know, talking to each other about, you know, what are you doing that works? What are you doing that's not working? Okay, what can we do better? You know, what can we do together to make sure uh, that, you know, there's opportunities, you know, for everyone equally uh, and, and just to enjoy the profession that we love. This is a, I admitted to asking an ignorant question. There's a lot of people not seeing the problem because it's not on the agenda. So it is an ignorance thing. There's not necessarily any overt uh, racism there. They just see the world as what it is and everybody looks like them and they get on with it. So where would firms and individuals start by putting DEI on the agenda a little more? First, I always say there's resources out there for you, right? There's diverse professional organizations like the National Association of Black Accountants. So I always push, you know, I, you know, I'm biased, right? <laughs> so, but, but I always, you know, tell firms and companies, you know, when they want to, you know, go down this path is, you know, uh, you're not on this journey by yourself, right? You, you know, and I think that's the key with, with all of this is you're not on an island by yourself. There are people like myself, there are organizations like the National Association of Black Accountants that are there for you to help you in your journey. Uh, so I always say start there. And, and, and then from there, is, you, know, you need to identify you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish, right? Is what is your culture within your organization? What are you looking to change? What are you, what are you looking to enhance, right? And, you know, starting with going to the resources that are available to you, but also acknowledging and understanding you know, what is the, where are you trying to get to? What are you trying to accomplish? You know, many, many companies, organizations have different focuses, uh, but, you know, within that, within their culture, you know, they always ask the question is, you know, what are you trying to get to? You know, what are your goals? You know, what, what is important to you? You have a strong profile, Herschel, and you've earned the right for that. You've been in this game holding the flag for a long time. What about the young black accountants and another minorities that are out there thinking well there's stuff going on in my firm but i i don't call it out because i have no support i don't know what the reaction will be what do you say to them you have support right <laughs> it, it, you know you're looking at one right <laughs> you're, you're looking at one right i, I think that um is uh, is an opportunity for you to grow as a leader as a young person right by doing what by saying what by, by getting involved right but by making sure your voice is heard and getting involved in the National Association of Black Accounts. There are many diverse professional organizations, you know, so there's opportunities for you as a young professional one to join APA, right, to, to be a part of an initiative and programs and learn, you know, kind of the question you just asked me, right, learn from other people. It's like, hey, what are you doing at your firm that I can bring back to my company, right? And then you work with your, with your, your leaders within your company, say, hey, let's join NAPA. 
let's go to the NABA convention. Let's be a part of the ACAP program. Um, there is always uh, people out there for your support. I, I think what's so powerful now uh, in a global society is that you have access to resources, right? You have access to, to people like myself. You have access to, you know, to NABA. You know, so for the young people, uh, I always encourage them, like, you have resources, right? You have resources uh, that you can lean on and say, hey, how do I approach my leader, you know, if I want to do this? Or can you come in and speak to my leaders uh, and help push the, the case for, um, you know, what can I do on an individual basis, you know, to give back to my to my community? I think that's what's so powerful right now for our young professionals, uh, no matter, you know, what color they are, is that, um, there is, you know, people like yourself and me who are out there for support, uh, and they're going to get that support. And and honestly, many companies and firms, you know, want to learn from their people, right? They want to learn is how can we better ourselves in the organization? How can we better ourselves as a firm? You know, so that makes good sense. And uh, I'm thinking with the interviews we've done with Professor Anton Lewis, uh, he speaks on diversity and, and these kind of things. And he's a, a black guy in accounting like you. And he says the starting point is to call stuff out and have honest conversations. And people don't talk about it enough. People don't ask enough questions, show enough curiosity. They don't listen well enough. And it all starts with good dialogue, doesn't it? And an intention, as you say. Yeah, it, it's, I think it's important, right? I think it's, um, you you must have a safe space to have a, have honest conversation, right? You, 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 and that's no matter what we're focused on, you know, whether it be minorities, sexual orientation, um, you know, women, you, you name it, right? Is you got to have a, you got to create a space uh, for, for what I call tough conversation, right? But it's also got to be a safe space, right? Is... Like, hey, I need to ask you a question, and it's not coming from a bad place, but I'm I'm seeking to understand. And you know, uh, the receiver also had to receive it as a a question of understanding, uh, and then working together to come up with solutions to make each other better, uh, to make their organizations better, and more importantly, to make the community better. Tell us about your counterparts, say, in women uh, as a group. We know that accounting is probably 80% men. So will they be having similar challenges to you in terms of representation and promotion, or are they having different issues? I, I think it's, I, I think each, I would say each group has their own unique challenges. I mean, there, there, are, some, there are some common, I, I think there's common themes, you know, there are common themes, but each, um, I think each uh, each group uh, has unique challenges, right? And, you know, and it, you know, when it, we focus on women, you know, it is, you know, one of the common themes, you know, that I see, you know, from my perspective is, you know, can you have a family and be a leader, right? Yeah, you know, and, you know, what does that look like? And can, you know, can I have a family and still be a leader within a company, be a leader within a firm? Um, and, you know, also being included, right, is, uh, you know, making sure that uh, no matter se what sexual orientation that you feel included in conversations and you feel included in the opportunities, you know, to grow. And, and we all need to learn from each other, right? Is some of the challenges that, that women may face, uh, you know, may not be challenges that, you know, me, me as an African-American male may face per se, but, you know, we can always learn from each other, right? And how we can better ourselves, better our organizations. I understand. I'm just looking at your LinkedIn profile now, Herschel, as we speak, and 24 years at Crow or more. Tell us about that journey. When you got there, did you have to, want of a better phrase, bang a drum and, and open up this agenda? Or did they get it right from day one with you to give you the platform you've got right Yeah, now? no, I, I think at the firm has, um, has always focused on diversity, equity, inclusion. That's why I stayed there, you know, now, like I said, you know, 26 years. And you found a home there almost immediately then, did yeah, you? Yeah, I, I found a home there. Um, because, but there's always more work to be done, right? In every firm, in every company, I mean, if you take a look in the mirror, there is always work to be done. What's important for me in organizations that you're trying and that, you know, year after year, you're moving the needle, right? That you're, you're doing something that is going to move the needle. And, you know, here at Crow and, you know, why I've been here for so long, it's, it's a family. Um, and, you know, they have allowed me the opportunity to, to follow my passion, which, 
right, is important to me, right? And, you know, that's why I kind of share with a lot of companies and, and, and other firms is, is that you also got to allow your, your family members, I call, you know, employees, family members uh, to pursue their passion. And if they pursue their passion, no matter what it is, whatever it is, no matter what it is, whether it be, you know, coaching, you know, baseball or football or, um, you know, whatever their passion is, if you give the flexibility and the support for your people, uh, you're going to get the best out of them at work, right? Knowing that company, the firm that they work for is supporting them in their passion outside of work. You know, for me, um, it was diversity in the accounting profession. And the firm has, you know, put me in a position where it allows me to pr pursue that passion and, and hopefully make a difference um, in a profession. So I, I think that's extremely important is, is firms and companies create a culture uh, that uh, is welcoming for you, us as individuals, to pursue our passion. And like I said, once again, it brings your best self to work knowing that you work for a firm or a company or an organization where you can you know, be your authentic self and also you know, pursue your passion and be supportive. You're very passionate about leadership, Herschel. What separates the good leaders from the great ones, would you say? I don't know. You know, it's great question. And I've never looked at it as what's, you know, somewhat what separates the good from a great leader. I, I try not to judge what, who's a good or great leader. Um, what I try to focus on is what can I do to better myself as a leader? Okay, that's a good reframe. But we know what bad leaders look like, don't we? We have some of them as prime ministers and presidents on the current right, nations. Right. <laughs> um, but, 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 but for me, you know, I, I think a good or great leader is someone that constantly reflects on what they could do better. Okay. Right. Um, you, you know, for, you know, a lead, you know, when you're in a leadership position, you, uh, you can't take it lightly, right? Because, you know, for me, it's, it's a key word, lead. You're leading individuals, you're leading a company, you're leading an organization. And, you know, you have a responsibility to to better the organization, the company, the firm, the individuals that you're leading. And, you know, you know I think, you know, I guess, go, you know, honestly, going back to your question is, is a great leader someone who knows they don't have all the answers, right? It, it, that, That's wisdom. <laughs> right? It's that you don't have all the answers and you're okay with leaning on others and also accepting feedback to better yourself as a leader, right? There is all, you know, there is always something I could do better as a leader, right? There is always a different approach I can go. There is always something, you know, reflecting back on a decision I made or how I responded back to someone that you say, oh, you know, maybe I could have, you know, answered it this way or my tone could have been a little bit better than it was. Um, you know, so I think going from a good to great leader, I, I kind of let other people judge, you know, like say like myself, like, are you a good leader? Are you a great leader? That's not for me to, to choose or to make a decision on. Uh, what I focus on is what I can do to better myself, but more importantly, what I can do to better other people, right? If other people are being successful, then I've done my job, in my opinion, you know, from a leadership standpoint. Of course. And I'm asking because you've not got to where you are on your own. You've had mentors, you've had coaches, you've had people that have spoken into your life that you've respected. You've had people that have led you down the path that you're now uh, a long way down so there must be something about them that you thought well this guy gets it this woman gets it this person uh, this is someone I can get alongside yeah no it, it is you're 100% right right I think it's over the years I've been honored and blessed to have some great individuals who've mentored me and still mentor the, the one thing I, I tell young people is make sure you get you surround yourself with people that don't agree <laughs> and, and and get people that is going to push back on you Right. It's easy to find surround yourself with, you know, yes, I agree, Herschel. I agree. I agree. I agree. People like you. People like yourself, right? Really hard. And, and you as an individual have to, to deal with it with, you know, someone says, no, I actually agree with what your manager or this particular person said to you or their approach to things. So so I think is I try to gather, you know, as much from other people, other leaders that I see, you know, even if it's, you know, seeing someone speak on the TV screen. Like, okay, what can I get from that? Or someone I see, you know, walking down the street and I see something powerful that they did. I'm like, mm, I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to take a piece of that. <laughs> it's your, so you're constantly, like I said, is you're constantly, you know, finding ways to better yourself as a leader. And that includes, you know, surrounding yourself with people who's going to give you honest feedback. Uh, that's going to be transparent with, but then, you know, individuals that, you know, you can lean on when you're like, Hey, how help me with this particular situation.
Got it. Yeah. Is there any really bad doctrine or bad advice you see being dispensed in the accounting world? Any myths that you want to bust right now? Uh, you know, not so much bad information, but bad disinformation, whatever the case may be. I, I think for me, I focus on just reigniting the fire for young people that, you know, that accounting is sexy. Um, and there's so much great opportunities in the accounting profession today is that you know, you can follow your passion in the accounting profession, right? If you, if, if you're, you, if you like to volunteer in the community and you're really focused on the community, whether it's the, you know, you can go into the profession and not for profit, right? Uh, or if you like sports, right? You can, you can go into the, the sports field, become a controller of a professional sports team. So, so I really want to, uh, you know, just get across to to young people uh, that you can, whatever your passion is, you know, a county profession is the umbrella for it, right? You know, we always say, which is true, and I don't know if you were, you know, was told this years ago, Rob, is that accounting is a language of business. Yes. Right? As old as that terminology has been, it is so true. And for me, it's just really making sure we just be intentional to help young people understand that, the accounting profession is great. There's great opportunity and also being very intentional about, you know, focus on people that look like myself on the, the opportunities uh, in the accounting profession, but also making sure that we put in the, uh, the building blocks uh, for people that look like me to be successful in the accounting profession. Yeah, I, I got that. Is there anything you believe deeply that other people think is crazy? You're an outspoken guy. I, I'm just thinking you must have some things that you hold too dearly that other people think, "Wow, man, you're out there." No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think you know. I think I've been um, I'm pretty grounded in uh, you know what my passion is. Um, I think that for me is I just want to continue to to better myself uh, and, and want to continue to better the profession, continue to better the organization. I'm the chairman of the National Association of Black Accountants. So, you know, I don't think, you know, at least it's been told to my face, there's been anything that's like, oh, wow, you're really out there <laughs> around this. But, but I think it is just... Um, well, you're out there thinking accounting is sexy. There'll be a lot of people thinking, wow, that's that's crazy. And, yeah, some people might be like, really? <laughs> right? yeah, like, really? You know, you know, so I think if that's probably the, the wildest thing is I'll take it is that, you know, is that, yeah, there's probably people in other professions, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever, who's saying, you know, what, you know, what are you saying about accounting? So, yeah, so it's, um, you know, I, I just appreciate platforms like this to, you know, to get the word out uh, to, you know, continue to better the profession. It is great to have you on and have you speak so passionately and earnestly about what is going on out there because we, we can get very single-minded about it or narrowly focused and, and seeing our little slice of the world, our little corner of the office. Everybody looks like us, our clients look like us, our world looks like us and we, we just miss out on that richness and that cultural diversity in so many ways. Yeah, it is. I, and I appreciate the opportunity, right? Yeah, I think I look forward to, to speaking to you again, but more importantly, uh, continue to help support uh, the profession and help bring in uh, more focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, and more people that look like me uh, into the profession. So I appreciate Rob uh, giving me the platform uh, to discuss this important topic. What happens though, if, if more people that look like you come in and, and less people that look like me come in and, and we're going to have a whole flipping of what's going on right here and you guys will be ruling the world, which is great, but that's not happening, is it? What's going on? Yeah, no, I think it's... Um, well, there's a balance, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's to. a balance. I, I, I welcome <laughs> to have that discussion, you know, you know, when it happens. I think it's, it's there's, uh, there's enough room for everybody and you know, continuing to, you know, to push the needle. If people want to have a conversation with you, we'll put your contact details in the show notes here so they know how to get in touch. Are you open to having conversations with anyone? And how do those conversations tend to go? How can you help? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it just, it, it goes in so many different directions. You know, I, I think it's, once again, it's just people that reach out to me have different focuses uh, and what they're trying to get to, right? Some is, you're like, hey, give me feedback on, you know, what we're trying to do within the walls of our organization. Others are, hey, you know, I need a resource to to help with, you know, hiring diverse talent. Um, you know, I need to, you know, work with someone on creating a new program, different initiative. It's, uh, so it, it, you know, the, the great thing is it, it spans so many different opportunities. 
uh, in so many different grounds. So, and what's coming up for Herschel Frierson over the next few years? You, you're at the top of the game now with Nava, and uh, you're doing everything with Crow. So, how does the next few years look for you? Yeah, but I, I think the you know for me personally, I think the the future looks bright. You know, one of the things I want to continue to do is elevate my career, right? Uh, I want to continue to uh, to move upward within the firm. Uh, I want to continue to bring new opportunities to Crow. Uh, you know, you want a bigger it. seat at bigger tables, don't you? Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to make sure that, you know, open up more doors, you know, for the firm uh, across not only the country, but across the globe. Um, and, you know, I think I just want to help make sure I help support NAVA and continue to advance, advance his mission and continue to you know bring up people to that look like me to the profession. Well, let's just finally ask, let's say you and I are sat having this conversation in 10 years time. Where will we be, do you think? What's coming up for the accounting profession around this conversation in the next few years? Yeah, yeah, I think the, you know, I hope uh, and going to be continuing to work hard that uh, our numbers uh, will continue to increase from a diversity standpoint, uh, that we're going to see uh, more leaders that look like me uh, as partners, as directors, as CFOs. So I truly believe that is the direction we're going to go in. But I will, you know, also will, will tell you, Rob, in 10 years, I'm still going to tell you I'm not going to be satisfied. Right? <laughs> I know that. <laughs> you say there's still work to do, right? Right. There, there's still work to do, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I wrote an article. It's like it's, it's, a, it's a marathon, you know, not a sprint, right? And, and it's a marathon that's always evolving uh, or continuing. So... Do you put numbers on it, Herschel? Do you say, right, 2% of accountants now are black and we want to get that to five by this time? Can you think of it like that? You have better numbers than me. I'm just making yeah, it Yeah, the data point is a guide for, you know, the way I look at it, the data point is a guide to see, okay, are we moving the needle? Uh-huh. I don't look at it as, okay, if we're at 5%, then we're done, right? You know, for, for me, it is, uh, are we moving the needle? Is the, is the profession shifting? And then we can take that data point, like how much did it shift, right? It, you know, if it went up 1% in 10 years, uh, yeah, it went up one percent, but there's more we need to be done. How do we look at things differently? So I look at the data points as a guide to see, okay, what more do we need to do? Of, what less of we got to do in this particular area to make make a difference? Um, and all black accounting firms, all black law firms, that's not the answer, is it? Or is it? Right. No, I mean, it it is. You know, with diverse firms, it is no so you know not so much you know, individuals within a profession is, but it, are they growing as a firm? Right, as a as a company, but all black accounting firms they do exist, do they? Have surely, is yes, they do. Okay. they do. They do minority-owned firms, right? And I think that what's important for firms like minority firms is increasing their market share, right? It is, it is. You know, we talk about supplier diversity, right? It is, you know, and that's another thing I'm a big supporter of is is minority African American-owned firms. It is, what are we doing to make sure that they're increasing their revenue? Uh, their employees, you know, things of that nature. Well, Herschel Frierson, basketball fan, football fan, chairman of the National Association of Black Account, uh, principal at Crow. It's been such a joy to have you on today and talk through some of these uh, sensitive but really important subjects. Thank you so much for your time, your passion and your insights. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thursday here on the Accounting Influencers Podcast. If you are listening on the day that this comes out, we do know that we have 26,000 listeners all over the world in the accounting and practitioner world, and they listen to, on average, seven to eight episodes each. So we don't know what day this is. Hopefully you're having a great day wherever you are on Thursdays. We look at a very practical topic, and we call it Here's What Works for Accountants. And we've been having a series last few weeks. I've been diving into one of my pet subjects. I'm Rob Brown, co-host with Martin Bissett on this show. We've been diving into employer brand. And what is it about your accounting firm in this labor shortage that we have? Not many people, not enough people coming into the accounting profession. We've got to drift out of uh, accountancy practice into industry, and maybe even out of accounting altogether. And we might say accounting has an image problem, but your firm can play its part. And we use an employer brand to do this. So we've been talking about various aspects of employer brand, like your website and rewarding your people properly. Today, I'm going to talk about developing your people, developing your existing talent, because a big part of the keeping your people is what you do to reward them and advance them. And nobody wants to be stuck in a rut at work. Nobody wants that feeling of, in five days, there are three days that are bad and two days that are good. 
And for employers, it's a dangerous prospect to have your employees disgruntled, upset, demotivated in any way because they start looking for new opportunities elsewhere. So what do we do to develop this existing talent so they feel like your firm is the place for them to stay? They have a home there. They're part of something bigger than themselves. They feel like they've got a future. Well, it's got to come down to training, development, mentoring. It's got to be central to your recruitment. So you're not just limiting your training to accounting specific things. There's a lot of softer things to consider. So we're going to go through that in this video. If you're an accounting leader, manager, uh, you're up and coming through the ranks, make sure you're asking for these things. If you're thinking of switching firms, make sure you're asking these questions about, yes, I want my hands to be on the steering wheel of my own career, but what are you going to do to help me along the way and help me get there faster? Uh, if you're in any kind of leadership role, L&D role, HR role, recruitment role, managerial role, you're taking people on, make sure you are ready to answer this question. How do you develop me as I develop myself? And we've got to think about technology here as well, that uh, it's playing a much more important role in the modern accounting firm. It should be more of a role in the modern accounting qualification, but that uh, we've not quite got there yet. But remember, your employees need to be comfortable using a range of IT platforms and navigating cloud-based systems and digital generally. And most of them are because this younger generation coming through, they're tech savvy, they're digital natives. But if they're not, and even if they are, nobody's got a handle on all of the tech out there. So part of your developing of people, developing existing talent is training them, equipping them to implement, to utilize, to integrate the technology that is out there. Because technology is what will give you the edge, both in terms of the software and hardware that you're offering to new recruits and existing recruits. They don't want old stuff, but also in terms of the training that you're giving them to use this. So what have we got? We've got the technical stuff, your CPD, CPE, continuing professional education, continuing professional development, giving your people the freedom, the autonomy, the resources to do what it is they need to stay current. We're looking at the technology stuff. So that's the digitalization, but we're also looking at the soft skills. Now, what does that include? We're looking at client management, relationship building, wider general business acumen, commercial acumen, business knowledge, if they're going to advise clients effectively. Whatever training is, you want to entice the best talent and show them that they have the potential to develop and grow within your firm rather than stagnate or have to take that on themselves. So supporting, managing your talent, help them realize the potential. Uh, you've got to highlight people in your firm that are suitable for leadership. This speaks to succession, doesn't it? So skill areas like teamworking, uh, communication, presenting, negotiating, conflict management, dealing with difficult people. This helps you identify your staff, identify who to invest in, who has the potential to move on, who has the coachability they want to learn, they want to push on, they want to get better. Identify them that will be suitable for succession planning, invest in them. And chart a pathway to say to the other people in the firm, if you show this similar potential, we will give you the similar investment. This is talent management, isn't it? It encompasses everything around attracting, engaging, motivating, developing, retaining high-value employees. Uh, you've got to give those staff the backing, the resources that they want. Talent management is a step-by-step -step process, and you've got to show them that you are investing in them, that you want them to stay with you. So this is not a passive approach and assuming that they know what's best for their development. You've got to show them what's possible, what content there is, what training there is, what's out there for them. They'll learn some of it from their peers, but they've got to come to you when they're ready to develop and know that you have some answers as the L&D department, as they, the talent department, whatever it is. Proactivity on both sides is vital. If they're not coming to you and asking you what's on offer, where can I learn, where can I advance? That's not a good sign. You've got to be going to them and meeting them halfway at least. So this is employee engagement, getting them to participate in their own development and whether this is blended learning, on-the-job training, formal education courses, former, formal qualification courses, external conferences, workshops, seminars. E-learning is massive now. Psychometric profiling, looking at the gifts, what they've got, where they're good, where they need to improve. Talent management assesses all of this so that you can drive the quality and quantity of the talent that you need and invest in the right people to generate those future leaders, fill those key positions, ensure long-term health, growth, stability of your firm. So in wrapping up, think about teamwork skills, communication skills, change management skills, conflict 
resolution skills, mental health, resilience, well-being skills, emotional intelligence. You know, people don't leave a bad firm. They leave a bad manager. And bad managers, bad bosses, they're not intentionally bad. They need guidance. They need support and development. So wherever people are in your firm, wherever they are in the structure, everybody needs coaching. They need leadership skills, management skills, people development skills. You've got to make those people better bosses so that the people underneath them feel supported. So the L&D function learning and development has massive responsibilities here. And your talent management strategy should be your HR people identifying who needs additional training in what areas, both immediately and in the future, where are the skill gaps, both for the firm and for individuals. Good two-way communication, let people know what's on offer, get them involved in their professional development, you know, lay it all on a plate for them. You get them to uh, find out what those gaps are for them, help them meet them halfway without nurturing, developing your existing talent, your firm is unlikely to survive. So get the tech right, the soft skills right, the technical stuff right. This builds up a really powerful, emphatic, compelling employer brand. So not only does this keep the people you've got in the firm in the firm that you want to keep in, it lets the people go that they're not willing to be coached and developed. And it sets a really strong foundation and some great success stories of people outside the firm that want to come in and buy into a really good nurturing developing talent culture. Hopefully that gives you some resolution on things that you're working through in your firm, gives you some bite for pushing forward for the development that you need as an individual, gives you some ideas for developing your people, maybe even just underlines, reinforces the things that you're doing really well already. Talent is a war, it's a battle, and top on the list of priorities for managing partners in accounting firms worldwide is people. So whatever that looks like for you, if you want a strong employer brand, develop your existing talent. Have a great day. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast, cutting through the crap to bring you the very best interviews, insights, and wisdom from the planet's most influential people in the accounting and fintech world with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Uh, welcome to our special interview today. I'm thrilled to have with me today, back for the second time, Susan Bryant. Hello, Susan. Hey, Rob. Great to be here. It's lovely to have you back again. Susan, for those people that are regular listeners, and we've got thousands of them all over the world, they will have heard you before talking about how accountants can educate their clients on what it means to be a good client. So today we're going to switch that and talk about how the client can educate their accountant. But just before we do that, let's recap on the interview we had before. Very briefly, what can accountants do to make sure their clients step up and be better clients? Yeah, well, accountants have to be better about communicating expectations. Um, they really need to talk to the client about what they need in terms of information and time. Um, they need to explain their processes so that the client knows what to expect. You know, I think there's a lot of, um, we, I am on a ton of Facebook groups where accountants are always complaining about, you know, clients have unrealistic expectations. <laughs> and whose fault is that? <laughs> right. It's the accountant's fault. Uh, there's this expectation that a tax return just will be produced magically. Just like it's overnight process. I can bring my stuff in today and you'll have it done tomorrow. It's just not realistic. Uh, so we really need to go back to the client at the time that they are approaching us about becoming our client and tell them, I'm going to collect information and then I'm going to examine it. And then I'm going to call you questions and, you know, whatever your process looks like. And then explain what that, how long it's going to take, two weeks, three weeks, a month, uh, that's the piece that we're missing. People just don't understand that the preparation process takes a while. You have to examine information. You have to understand what's going on with each particular client, especially new clients. It's a lot to learn. Everyone's tax situation is so unique. Um, I think there's also sort of this idea um, that accountants really need to be more thoughtful about the specific nature of the services they're going to render, right? So I'm not just preparing a tax return. I'm looking for opportunities along the way. I'm going to be make, making recommendations about things we should be doing differently next year. So those things take time and to formulate and develop and to think about. So that knowledge, the looking things up, if we're talking about in investigating or researching a particular tax subject that 
may result in a, a change uh, in the to the benefit of the taxpayer, those things take time. So it's really important that we explain exactly what we're going to do and what those processes entail. It's not just tax preparation. It's not just me put information in a, in a series of boxes and spit out a form. There's, there's a lot of other things that go into that. And, and ultimately for you, Susan, what makes the good accountant great? Mm, they have a vision to the future. That's, I think, what makes accountants great. So they use and harness the past, but ultimately they're focused on changing the future for their clients. That is so powerful. So we as accountants have to shed this idea that somehow we're only useful to people by reporting things that happened previously. Really, our power lies in the fact that we can alter someone's financial future by helping them map out strategies for tax planning, by helping them to organize and professionalize their finance function in their companies, by helping them implement strategies that move their business, introducing them to our network of experts. I mean, this is remarkable. If you think about it, I mean, changing someone's financial future, what more could you want? <laughs> what more could you want from any professional? Yes. You're so passionate about it. There'll be people signing up to be accountants as we speak right now, just hearing uh, I hope so. We need them. <laughs> yeah, of course. So let's look at this from a client's perspective then. We know what makes a good accountant great. What makes a good client great? A great client is someone who approaches their CPA, their accountant with a mindset that they want to learn from them, that they respect their knowledge, they respect their time, they respect the demands on them, the deadlines, the different elements of things that are happening in their business. They want to view them as a long-term partner. It's not a commoditized transaction. It's a relationship. They have to want to, they want to get the best value out of the accountant. They want to pay for it. So they have to approach it in that way. Um, there are a lot of clients who view the accountant as being someone who's just a servant to them, right? So you just do this. You just live in this part. You're compartmentalized in my life. And even a necessary evil, Susan. Perhaps. True. Um, and your accountant is someone who should be involved in all aspects of both your professional and personal life. Ultimately, your business is your biggest asset. They need to understand where it's going and how if things go wrong or as things improve, what that means to you personally. All of these strategies work together towards the benefit of the client personally. Ultimately, there is a person who will benefit from it, whether it's the owner or the owner's family, legacy heirs, whatever. You know what I mean? There is a beneficiary. And I, I think that the, the clients really need to make sure that they are approaching their CPA as someone who is truly a partner in all of that. Nicely put. Because we see very good clients... And we see very poor clients and there's a big difference in that relationship and a big difference in the outcomes. So it's crucial to get this right on both sides. Yeah. And I mean, I think there are also, I mean, there are instances where a, a client and a CPA are just, they're not going to fit perhaps. I mean, and, and being aware, I guess maybe this is where emotional awareness and even having a little bit of um, just general person, you know, like I don't know if it's uh, some type of counseling or, you know, therapy skills to really understand yourself and understand the client. What are their motivations? What do they really want from you? Understanding yourself. Who do you want to serve? What are you great at? Who can you best benefit? There has to be a lot of awareness around that. Not every client's going to be a great client for you. They might be a great client, but they need to be with someone else. Some of these great clients that you're talking about that see their accountant in this way, they're a little bit like four-leaf clovers or leprechauns or pixies. We don't see them very much and we're very lucky to have them but I guess you would say that you can turn good clients into great clients with the way you educate them in the way we talked about in the last interview yeah many of them just don't have the knowledge of what accountants do they don't understand all of the things that are happening in the background of of how it how CPAs function how they are educated the things that they are able to help with they don't understand the menu of services that a CPA offers they think a CPA prepares tax returns or a CPA prepares financial statements or they do audits. They have a misconception of all the things that we do offer. So most of the time when they come to us and they say, I'm an S-Corp and I need to file my 1120S, we just say, okay, we'll file your tax return. Instead of really exploring the conversation, you know, what is your business? Where is it in its life cycle? What is the pain that you're experiencing? You know, how can we really be of value? You know, so a lot of the problems are that accountants, we're not listening. We, we're hearing what they have to say. We don't know how to interpret what they're saying into, let me show you all the other ways that I can help you. And what have you, in your view, then do business owners need to hear from their accountant? You've, you've alluded to a few of them, but 
if they don't hear this stuff from their accountant, they need to be asking their accountant for this stuff. What falls into those categories? Oh, this could be anything from retirement planning. Like what's going to happen to me if this business doesn't work out? I, how do I save for retirement? It could be, you know, specific tax strategies. It could also just be things like, hey, I don't have a will. I need to get one of those. Who should I talk to? Uh, uh, my banker, I have a problem getting financing. I really need a different relationship. How do I, how do I have those conversations? How do I get more out of my banker? What should I be talking about? You know, can you help me? Every aspect of your business, really, your accountant can help with. What's happening in the operations is mirrored in the financial statements. So oftentimes we're bringing up things like, hey, I think you need to go back and look at your operations in this particular, you know, department. This profitability is declining. What's going on here? I think it's just a matter of broadening the perspective of the client to leverage the talents of the CPA. There's just so, so many things. We have our clients fill out something called a circle of key advisors because it's not just us, but it's a team of people. It's a collaboration among all of these experts to really drive the value for the client. So we've got to work with someone who is their financial planner, money manager, someone who's handling their payroll is outsourced, insurance. I mean, do you have the right coverage? Are you having those discussions? Um, so many business owners have things on autopilot that they're on the hamster wheel. They're just doing what they're doing that they don't have time to really spearhead those things. Use your accountant. Go to them and say, how do I, how do I handle these things? Can someone from your staff help me to identify the things that are expensive in my business or even personally that I really need to take the time to evaluate more closely that could pose the most risk to me, the most risk to my business? Could a good client make up for a poor advisor? If I was a great client and I had a lousy accountant, I could make that accountant good by proactively asking them all of these questions. Can you signpost me to this? Can you help me with my will? Can you help me with that tax thing? So the accountant doesn't need to think proactively at all and they don't need to position any advisory. It comes to them. I, I suppose it would get the accountant to think about it more. It's not ideal, but it could happen though. It could happen. I, I think that the client would tire of that, to be real honest. I, I think that they want someone who is so really focused on putting them on, I call it a cadence. We have like a strategic planning cadence here that we follow. So we're really talking to these clients like every other month. Some conversations are more in-depth than strategic. Some are more tax-focused. Some are more business-focused. Some are more personal-focused. But this cadence allows us to constantly be in um, in sync with them. You're in lockstep, which means that as things are changing in their business, which means that relationship is getting deeper. They're now coming to us outside of those meetings, asking questions, which is what we want. We want to be on the front end versus on the back end. Um, but it really is up to the client to be the driver. I mean, sorry, and not the client, the accountant. We really need to be the drivers. The, if the client is driving, it's going to be inconsistent because they're going to get busy. You know, most CEOs squirrel. I mean, they're just <laughs> shiny objects. They're chasing the next thing. They're chasing the next revenue. And so they'll just forget and it'll just fall off. And then it's, so the client can be proactive. I just don't find that they most consistently are. So the CPA should be driving. We should be setting the calendar. We should be making sure that those meetings are happening. In the last interview, you talked about what an accountant should do with a bad client. How do you fire that bad client and that honest courageous conversation that needs to happen there. What should good clients do with poor accountants? Fire them? Well, they need to have a similar conversation with them about what they expect, what they want. Some CPAs, I think, will be persuaded to think differently. And, and others are so rooted, you know, these deep-rooted beliefs, you know, as to what their position is that they won't change. So I'd like to believe and hold out hope that all accountants can truly change and become great and serve their clients in that way. And it would be awesome if there were clients that would give accountants that, um, that ability and that time to develop. I just think most business owners uh, and clients, they're impatient. You know, they'd rather move on to someone who already has those systems and processes built where it's almost guaranteed they're going to receive immediate benefit. And most often they do because they've been neglected. You've been in this game a long time, Susan. You mentor and help accountants to do the kind of things that you do in your firm. You're great at being a resource for them. How coachable do you feel accountants CPAs are as a breed? Because they take the qualifications, they're great at the technical stuff, they do the thing that has to be done. But beyond that, the, the softer skills, how willing are they and able to learn and be teached on that stuff? I, it's probably generational. Uh, I do think, yeah, I think there's some generational things. Uh, but I do also believe that our industry um, and our in our profession, we are seeing some changes in mindset. There are uh, there are people who are interested in changing the way they work. They don't want to be stressed out. They want to make a difference to these clients. Uh, there's a lot of resources now. Information is really available. Podcasts like this, information is flowing more frequently. 
that's inspiring them to think differently. So I think that things are changing. And I think mindsets over a period of time will be dramatically different. You mentioned in the last interview, a post that you put up, I think it was on LinkedIn, Susan, where you said, this is the kind of client we want. This is the kind of client we don't want. This is the way we work. This is the way we don't work. How important is it for accountants to be very specific about what they're looking for in clients? And I guess the other way around as well. Yeah, I think that they need to get crystal clear on who their perfect client is. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. You're spinning your wheels. You're probably serving people who aren't going to value your work. They will be disgruntled at the end and feel like it was a waste of their money. You know, so there's really an important um, element here, and that is defining who is your ideal. Who are you great at serving? And then you will be nothing but successful. It's it's important for clients uh, to understand that accountants have different areas of expertise. There are niche areas of focus. If you are in real estate or if you are in a specific space, whether it's manufacturing or software, under getting a CPA who is, I got a lot of qualifications in that, that area can mean a world of difference. So uh, similar to like doctors, right? So it's like you go to your general practitioner and then they send you to a specialist. The same thing should be working that way for for accountants, you know, clients need to be aware that a client specializes, you know, CPA specializes in different things. Find someone who is great at serving businesses like yours. That helps a lot um, because then there are more um, levers to pull in terms of just the benefits, right? You've, you've got all this access to probably people in your network, in in terms of your uh, uh, staff, qualifications, knowledge, the intellectual capital that exists. It's going to all help the, help the help the client in the end. I'm glad you mentioned doctors in the medical profession, Susan. There's a certain mystery about what doctors and surgeons do, and you don't really want to ask them too much. But for a client that is coming to an accountant, let's say they've switched firms for whatever reason, they've outgrown their old accountant or they weren't served, what should potential clients be asking a potential CPA in deciding whether that's going to be a good fit and to make the bad ones feel uncomfortable? I think the discovery call is really the most important thing. You know, asking questions like, what is your budget for this service? Um, and, you know, and understanding fully the expectations, like what do you expect, what do you expect the CPA to do? Um, what are you looking for the CPA to do? Uh, I mean, these general questions all the way down to the money questions. The discovery call, the deeper you can get in clarifying that scope from the front end, the more you're understanding the client. I mean, even how quickly they're going to send you the information, right? So I've asked this information to build a proposal. And if it takes them six months to send it to you after you followed up several times, if, if you're in the business of wanting to jump in, help clients make an immediate impact and transform their businesses, if they don't respond timely, you're probably going to be frustrated with them. And going the other way around, a client that is looking for a new CPA, what questions should they be asking to see if that's a fit the other way? Capacity, how they work. What is their what is their recipe for helping clients? You know what I mean? That that's gotta be really important. You know, do they have a system and process? I think that's fundamental. They've got to be asking those questions. They need to understand the specifics of the services that they're asking for. A lot of times people, you know, will will come to us and say, I need an audit. Um, they don't even know what an audit is, <laughs> but they need it. So and those are those are some things that you know uh CPAs have to educate the clients, but the clients need to become educated about the services that CPAs provide. Yeah, that makes good sense. In your firm there, you will take on clients that have not been happy with their providers before you. So what would make a client switch accounting firms or CPA? A chief complaint is they feel ignored. No one responds to their emails. They're difficult to access whoever's working on their work. They don't get the work done timely. There's no communication. They don't know where they're their stuff is in the process. Uh, those are the things, chief, chief complaints. It, it all has to do with customer service, 100%. There's not a lot of people who are upset about the actual quality of the work that their accountant is doing, mainly because they don't even understand what the accountant is doing. That's sort of another problem. Um, but in a lot of cases, what happens is, is that they leave because of the, the customer service issues. What they find is, is that they, they've not only been underserved from a service perspective, but that's also been underserved from a strategic perspective. They've been leaving tax dollars on the table. Uh, their accounting records are a mess or not updated for a whole year or something. So there's a lot of other problems in the background. So we as uh, business owners need to understand that the customer service issues could be assigned to our customers, right? That things aren't working right in other parts of our business. And that should also be assigned to clients. If I can't get a response to my email, what else is going wrong? What else aren't they doing? Susan, let's say I had a magic wand and I could make you the czar 
the emperor worldwide of the accounting profession. So you're in charge of everything, all the CPAs in the world. What needs to change? What would be top of your agenda? for making things even better? Mm, wow, that's a really big question. Well, you, you've been interviewed now because depending on your answer, I may or may not give you the job, so. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> man, I really feel like it's all, it's all on the line here. <laughs> I think the biggest thing as accountants that we have to work on is we have to revamp the culture of CPAs, the mindset of CPAs, the way that we work and the way that we interact with other professionals. People treat CPAs different than they do attorneys or doctors. I do not understand this. We need to elevate ourselves to the position that we are in. We are advisors. We literally can change someone's entire financial future. That is important. We need to elevate ourselves to that. And we need to assume that position. We need to start charging what we're worth, but we also need to know that the obligations that we need to deliver on that. We have an obligation to do the things that we say we're going to do. So I think it's a culture shift. It's a complete culture shift. It's a complete mindset shift. It's getting everybody on board to think that way. It's no longer transactional. It's not, what's my refund going to be? We Those conversations don't even happen because we've inspired our clients to say, it doesn't even matter what my refund is. I know that you've done everything in your power to make sure that my return is perfect or my financials are great or whatever the situation is. They trust us implicitly because we have painted a vision for them as to who we are and what we do. And they are confident in that. And they pay the bill too. you hired. You start on Monday. Okay, great. Okay, awesome. Okay. I'm not asking you how are you going to bring that culture change about, but uh, it's a great vision. I, I, it's probably going to be the greatest challenge for uh, the future of the future accountants, right? Our, our younger professionals, they'll have, they'll, they're the ones who are going to do the hard work. Susan, we'll put your contact details in the show notes so that people can reach out to you. And accountants listening, you're always open to having a conversation, helping them, mentoring them, getting them to where you are. Let's just finish with this. You say on your LinkedIn profile, you're a CPA with a vision to help business owners achieve their dreams. Just excite the accountants listening with some words of encouragement for what that actually means and get them feeling that, yes, I'm definitely in the right game. Yeah, so I think accountants spend a lot of time focused on all the the tasks, their to-dos, right? And I like to tell people that you should have a stop doing list as much as you should have a to-do list. So we've got to start start um, building a vision for ourselves. We've got to eliminate limiting beliefs. We have to dream bigger too as accountants. What we can do for our clients, how we can do it, what we can do for ourselves and our profession. There is no limit to the possibilities. For whatever reason, as we become adults and certainly in the business world, there's this, well, this is how you do it. You got to follow these rules. And I just think we have to take time away from all of those things. And, and use our imagination, dare to dream. And the accountants themselves don't need to have dreams. It's the, the dreams of the business owners they're serving that they can play into, isn't it? Absolutely. And harness that uh, for your own vision. You, know, you Use all the transformation that you've done for other clients you know, to show how that's changed you. Uh, I like to say that I align our business, we have a we have a chief business mission, and that is to transform our clients, right? We that's what we want to do. But there's another mission that we have, and that's to transform our industry by changing the way our firm operates. But the final mission we have is to transform ourselves. We become better professionals, better humans, better community members, better contributors to everything, whether it's our family or our world, if we improve. So we have to align everything that we're doing with those overarching goals that we have. That's what visionaries do. And everyone needs to become a visionary for their life. CPAs need to have a vision for themselves, for their clients, help them paint that financial vision. If it's not there, build it. Use the word transform a lot, Susan. It's not just incremental. Is it? You're talking about substantial, significant change that comes from deep down that has at the highest possible impact and the highest possible value. Is that what transformation means for you? I'm putting words in your mouth, but it is. It's it's um it's a complete reinvention of yourself. Okay. Yeah. And your thoughts and your future. And if you and you have to have a plan, it's just like when you open up Apple Maps, right? You say, I'm gonna go from here to here, and it tells you how to get there. You and your mind have to be intentional about going through all of those ways to get where you want to go. It is, it's critical, absolutely critical. But it starts with having this vision of what that transformation means to you. So what do you want to become? And then you will achieve it. And that is the transformation. Well, Susan Bryant, that's been inspirational. Thanks so much for your time and your insights again today. It was great hanging out with you, Rob. Thanks so much for having me on. This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett.